In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, welcome to another edition, episode well, two point five. Uh, we, you know, we did uh, we, we had to do the one off last week uh, because of the the untimely passing of Richard Marcinko. Uh, but we really wanted to do this, and of course, uh, given the uh, the tempo of the holidays, made it a little difficult. But this is uh, Andrew and Jerry Save Twenty uh, Twenty One. I'm Andrew Langer. I'm Jerry Rogers. And uh, yeah, we want to we want to. Uh, Welcome you to the show. Uh, tremendous feedback from the first episode that we did. I uh, want to thank folks for downloading. Please, and I'll say this again at the end, please tell your friends, please tell your family members, leave good reviews. We are now available on Jerry, so many platforms, um, uh, Spotify, uh, Google, uh, iHeart, uh, Amazon. I'm working on trying to get us up on the Apple podcast page. Uh, Excellent. But you- is direct folks to the transistor page and Jerry, our social media uh, at AJ Save the World on Twitter and Facebook.com slash AJ Save the World. Uh, you can find us there and, and we're, we're getting more and more interactive. Uh, Jerry, 20, uh, 2021. Let, let, let me start with this question. <laughs> Close it this way. I already have a funny thought in my head. Good. Well, uh, okay. Go ahead. Well, it's interesting. You and I are like the government here in that we're coming in to save the year after it's after, <laughs> after it's been done. <laughs> that always the way. Yes. Well, you know, listen, but but it's all really about outlook, and teeing it up this way, which is the the question. And you and I have talked about this informally. Which was the worst year? The worst year, twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? I think we started that way. And then we finish it up at the end in our bottom line segment, talking about why, uh, you know, talking about some of the bright spots of 2021. But I, I, I'll get into it in a second. I do believe that 2020 was a worse year than 2021. Uh, I think you do as well. Well, but I want to get your thoughts in any case. Well, 2020 was pretty bad. Yes. Uh, 2021, I think, uh, in oh. retrospect, now that we have a couple, three, four days. Uh, to to think about the year in its total, its totality, uh, 2021 saw us double down on policies that we know knew uh, were not working. But for the narrative, we had to we had to continue the lockdowns, the school masking, the mask mandates. The look, even this week, you know, early January, we're still getting governors declaring. Uh, public health emergencies. We have county executives, mayors, governors, uh, health, unelected health bureaucrats telling private homeowners and private business owners and telling private hospitals uh, and, and medical practices uh, how to uh, do their business. It's unprecedented in American history, this, this level of government intrusion in the lives of businesses and and families and home homeowners and business owners. Well, and in many cases for not, this is the conversation that I've been having. I've had a couple of these conversations. Number one, talking about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and how apparently the Johnson and Johnson vaccine is completely and utterly useless against Omicron. I mean, we could talk about the debate, the efficacy of, of, of vaccines generally, 
but how they're now saying A. So there's the A part, which is anybody who got Johnson Johnson vaccine needs to get a booster of something else. But then there's the question of the utility of it um, right in the face of Omicron. And then part and parcel of this, and I'm using my hands because there's a video component, folks. Um, part and parcel of this is the, this discussion now apparently from the CDC that in the absence of test kit availability, now they're just telling people, okay, if you think you have COVID, just stay home, which is like the most idiotic piece of public policy advice. It's completely unworkable. And it's like, okay, well, so at some point in time, right, and this gets to your point, Jerry, which is we have not learned anything. And so why 2021 was bad was because we continued down the path of just terrible policies with awful results and refused, the the folks in power refused to do anything to change that. Here we are, we are now at a point where we really are legitimately in an endemic, not a pandemic. COVID is ubiquitous, and yet we're still going down the road of the same things. No, of course. And and again, it's even worse than you lay out uh, because this- for instance, uh, we know uh, if you look at the uh, the media coverage of not just COVID, but myriad issues through the year, uh, the, the media has turned into uh, an entity that just pushes narratives now. Uh, and they, they purposefully tell us untruths or half-truths for our own good. And this is what the CDC is doing, right? When, when, uh, when Steve, uh, when Steve, uh, when Anthony Fauci, when Anthony Fauci says that we could do go from a 10 day uh, quarantine to a five day quarantine. And if you tested positive at the end of five days, you don't need a second test. Just go out and live your life. The problem with that is that's not the science. Yeah. The reason why Fauci said that is because uh, he knows the CDC knows uh, that there is a test shortage. And so they don't want people going and, uh, uh, you know, purchasing or or, or clogging up test lines. But that, again, that's not the, that's not the science. So what, what, what Fauci should say is, listen, if you tested positive, quarantine, be yes. safe, do what's right, and then test out. And if a test isn't available, then do the full 14 days. Yeah. I mean, the point is, is that they don't trust the American people to do the right thing or to even act in their own best interest. And this is the problem all along on every policy. Look, Andrew, you see the headlines now, right? Uh, from, uh, from physicians, from CNN, from the New York Times and Washington Post uh, in the last several days, now admitting that cloth masks don't stop the spread of COVID. This is something that I've been saying since April of 2020. But worse, Jerry, worse, right? If you've been saying this since 2020, you've been following the science since 2020, and yet you're the one who was vilified and demonized. <laughs> yeah, you're not taking your sacrament of faith. I was warned. I was warned. Yes. I was warned uh, that professionally uh, I could take a hit over this. But yeah. here's here's the irony there. The CDC's protocol uh, is to wear a mask. Yeah. It doesn't specify cloth mask N95 mask doesn't specify. It says mask. But when you dig a little deeper, do a little bit of homework, you see that the CDC itself admits on its own website 
that surgical cloth masks, that cloth masks do not stop viruses. So the evidence was in front of us the entire time. It is, it is, it is nothing more than magical thing. And which is, which is pervasive so much. And maybe that's the problem, right? Maybe that's, here's the interesting thing, right? Because the, and I'm, yeah, I am going to beat up on the progressive left here. This concept of magical thinking is pervasive amongst the magical, uh, I'm sorry, is, is, is pervasive amongst the progressive left now. I mean, it always has been, right? You know, those who were the adherents of Marxism, uh, the folks who were the proponents of various uh, kinds of communism or socialism, there's a certain degree of magical thinking because their wishes uh, don't comport with any kind of rational science regarding human behavior or around economics or what have you. Um, and, and now we're at a point where they really are trying to wish that science would comply with with their magical thinking here when it comes to public policy with devastating results. Well, when the science doesn't comply, they make up their own science. And that's yeah. the danger. Look, you know, my background, your background, a think tank world, um, uh, political policy, the, the healthcare uh, policy arena. It is not a good thing that public health officials, the public health uh, entities uh, are distrusted by the American people now. Yeah. Think about where we yes. are. Yes. I mean, you and I believe in healthy skepticism. Uh, we want uh, political figures in particular, but powerful figures, corporate heads to be held accountable. Uh, but we're in a circumstance now uh, in 2022, and I think 2021 made everything worse. Uh, where we don't trust politicians, we don't trust the media, we don't trust public health officials, we don't trust anybody, and that's not a and good here's, And here's to advance and let's, public interest. And and let's take it a step. Yes, and, and, and that's just it. And the problem then becomes one. And this because I want to pivot away because we could we could spend a lot of time talking about COVID specifically and COVID policy, but it's the use of the COVID policy, the utilization, the sure. the Rahm Emanuel. Never let a crisis go well, again. Look, look what's happening in New York State. You have the governor there uh, just recently declared that racism uh, is a public health emergency. Well, why can she do that? And by the way, there are real world conse- real world consequences uh, to that declaration because in New York now, uh, uh, you depending upon your race. If you are not a preferred race, you go to the back of the line for COVID treatments. Yeah. Which is, again, a whole other topic. Uh, But we, you know, vaccines have become ubiquitous. Uh, But treatments and therapeutics, you know, once you have the the, the COVID, uh, there is very little many health care professionals can offer because we we haven't done the work uh, to make the therapeutics available. And this is the great tragedy here. Uh, so focused on the vaccine, uh, and we mocked again. I, I think of C.S. Lewis. You know, we mock valor, uh, and then we wonder why traitors are in our midst. Well, the same thing here. We mock certain uh, therapeutics. Think of hydroxychloroquine. We mocked it. Uh, we we made it a pariah. We drove doctors out of out of getting their licenses right. over it, and now we wonder why today there are no therapeutics. Well, it gets it gets down to use the you, you that was that was C.S. Lewis. You were quoting? Yes. Yeah. So, and and I, par- I paraphrased. No, no, paraphrase. For for me, it's it's the William Butler Yeats line: "The best lack all conviction, while the worst are filled with passionate intensity." You 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 tear down at good good people who were leaders, 
uh, and you wonder why we don't have good people leading. No, I, I <laughs> so this is what it, what it gets to me is, you know, because it, it's funny, we had a listener, you and me both had a listener, um, Bob from Rising Sun, Maryland. Bob would uh, um, message me, he still messages me. Bob was messaging me, it was almost a year ago uh, about the Great Reset and and this and this idea and these are the folks who go to the world economic forum at davos and you know you talk about conspiracy theorizing right you talk about this idea of uh, the the specter the, the the great corporate leaders in the world getting together right and what was it which one was it uh, quantum of solace where they all get together because they're going to corner the market on water <laughs> i know it's a weird bizarre right so, but you, 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 but you don't think about this idea of the, and we talk about Soros and we talk about others sort of, they have these forums where they want to shape the world in their image and you hear the phrase, the great reset, but then it's all manifesting in build back better, which is this idea of using the post pandemic economy to implement all of these things. Now we, I talked well, about- Well, see, Andrew, I would say this, right. you're, you're, you're hundred percent correct. However, it didn't start with the pandemic, right? No, 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 of course not. I mean, frankly, a lot of this started uh, with, and you and I have talked about this for years now, but when we started to redefine uh, racism and, 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 and attitudes towards racism, uh, we've completely redefined uh, uh, this issue where it used to be uh, you judge a woman by the content of her character, uh, but today... You have the progressives uh, literally judging and promoting or demoting uh, issues, people, uh, organizations, really based upon race. It's, it's Listen, and that's where it started. The example I like to use is I don't remember which I want to say it was the New York Philharmonic. I think it's the New York Philharmonic. Um, they used to have blind auditions, right? I'm sorry. For a long time, they had live auditions. Uh, then the New York Philharmonic came under heavy criticism for being, I want to say, maybe the New York Philharmonic. A major metropolitan philharmonic orchestra would have live auditions. And then when they were criticized... You have appropriately uh, uh, <laughs> made it clear that, that this is a major orchestra. Yeah, yes, I just don't want to, I don't want to, what I don't want to do is I don't want to, I don't want to be guilty of defamation. But my point is they used to have live auditions. And then when they were criticized for being too white, they went to having blind auditions uh, or, or too white and too white male. They went to having blind auditions so that they could judge people by their musicianship as opposed to what they looked like or what their gender was. And then they were still criticized for being too white or whatever. So now they're going back to having live, live, um, uh, live auditions and now they are making race and gender a factor. So it's gone completely other, the other way. Um, you know, we have- Now, let's, let's, let's be clear about this. I, I don't want to seem over, overly ideological on this, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, in America's recent past, um, there, institutional racism, uh, 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 institutional bigotry existed. Uh, and if there, was, if there was a mechanism to correct for that in the short term, it was perfectly appropriate. Uh, the problem now is, is that you have critical race theory uh, that that is now the norm. It's no longer about making up for past harms or uh, giving a uh, giving a hand up to those uh, who have been pushed down. It's not about that any longer. Now it really is about promoting a certain ideology. Uh, and again, where race has almost taken the place of economics 
and yes. where race is now used to advance the progressive uh, progressive cause. Look, it's it's critical race theory. Now it's COVID-19. It's going to be public health. Uh, we know that climate change is in, is in this area as well. Uh, the progressives are guns really, as well. Yeah, the, the, the progressives are winning the policy wars and the cultural wars. Well, it's 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 this issue. And this is this is my point, is that in the end, right, it is the utilization of the disruption. Donald Trump was a disruptor. Donald Trump disrupted the way we did things, made changes. Donald Trump loses the election. Joe Biden becomes president in January of 2021. And immediately the disruption comes in a very different way. It's utilizing the chaos of the pandemic or the post-pandemic world in order to start implementing whether or not it is um, uh, whether or not it is the Great Reset and Build Back Better, which is this economic uh, applying to it or folding in the race and gender and environmental ca causes within this within this plank, all of the things that they are being implemented, which of course then drives all of these other ancillary, and ancillary is probably dismissive, but drives all of these other related and interrelated sure. factors, yeah. into it, which is what made 2021 such a um, um, oop show. Yeah. Hey, listen. Dumpster uh, fire. Uh, again, why, 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 uh, why have why have I said? Why did I say that 2021 was worse than 2020? Look, uh, you could you could go back in 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 Western civilization history into American history, and the only time we we've ever had a crisis, the Cuban Missile Crisis, World War II, 9/11, uh, the Civil War, you name the crisis. Uh, what happened alongside the crisis was uh, houses of worship. Uh, people of faith, uh, faith itself increased. Uh, do you know that COVID-19, the only crisis in our history, in the history of Western civilization, mind you, uh, ever since uh, ever since the church took hold in Western civilization, uh, 2021, we've lost church attendance. Yes, people have lost yeah. their faith. Yeah. And and again, uh, it is no mistake that the uh, that again, I'm gonna, I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theor uh, theorist here, but I'm not. Uh, I don't think it was a mistake that houses of worship were deemed non-essential. I don't think it was a mistake that small businesses, mom and pop shops, main street, uh, main street shops were, de were deemed uh, uh, non-essential. I mean, this is, and this is, sorry, go ahead. No, look, if, if, if I just said uh, a few seconds ago that uh, the progressives are winning the policy wars uh, uh, and they are because they control academia, they control the media, they control government, they control uh, corporate boardrooms, et cetera. What they don't control up until recently uh, the small business community and the church. It's, it's interesting, right? Because you talk about the roots of Marxist Leninism and you talk about what Marx said about religion being the opening of the masses. You talk about the disdain, the open disdain and anger that, that communist leaders have always had for the church. And again, not sort of talking about conspiracy theories, but the blending of secular progressivism with classical Marxist theory. And let's not forget how those Marxist theories have implement, have uh, infiltrated, uh, you know, church doctrine and church dogma, right? Because we have this, we have this split in these churches now, right? Because, because of course it was the so-called progressive Christian churches, or, you know, let's not even lump it in with the progressives, other denominations uh, that were so-called progressives who were like, yeah, sure. We're fine with, uh, we're fine with people staying home. Yeah, well, you know, here, again, two things on that. The first thing yeah. is this: uh, uh, prior to COVID, there was this great, um, uh, this 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 great awakening where 
uh, for the first time in American history, um, uh, uh, people who identify as Christian or people of faith has has moved uh, in the negative direction versus the positive uh, direction. And my spin on that when the Pew Research Center came out with this data was this is no surprise because uh, church uh, for some, for many in our history, has been like the social club. And so there were many non-believers attending church anyway. The only difference between uh, 2015 uh, or 2020 versus 1955 or 1965 is that all those all those Americans who saw church as the social club just stopped going to church. And, yeah. and, and now they're going to the social club. Uh, yes. That's one thing. The second thing is, and I think it's even more important uh, in terms of our discussion, and that is uh, the progressives are brilliant. They understand that man needs, uh, humankind needs this idea of uh, uh, something outside of themselves to strive for, right? Uh, you know, the good life is a life lived with a purpose. And so what they did was the progressives uh, transformed their politics into a religion. Yes. And, and for them, so religiosity, regardless of what the Pew uh, Trust says, uh, uh, re religiosity is up. The difference is, is that religiosity has changed and now politics has become religion. And, and it manifests itself to now circle back to what we've been talking about with the pandemic and in or in terms of other things, whether or not it's issues having to do with race and equity or whether or not it has to do with the environment. All of these things, right, are articles of faith. I can't I can't tell you how many times you have the, you have conversations with people on the left. And and, you know, if you're not doing X, Y or Z, you know, you are engaging in some kind of heresy against the mother church, which is progressivism. Right. So, 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 so strange to me. Let me, let me shift gears, Jerry, because there were other stories that were going on. In we forget them. And we do. And, and you know, and, and there are good stories as well, because we want to, I mean, we're going to talk about, as I said, some high points towards the end of the show today. But, you know, I hesitate to bring it up, but I do want to spend some time talking about January 6th because it, it did kick off the year. We're almost at the one-year anniversary. I know that, the, again, the left is obsessed with it. Uh, the Democrats, again, to separate the two, the, and I'm using my hands again for those of you who can't see, there's, there's the Democrats on the one hand and the progressives on the other. The Democrats most certainly are using January 6th as they, they want to see January 6th carry on as far as possible. But it was admittedly a dark day for America and a, and a dark day for all kinds of reasons. I don't think, listen. And no one and no one disagrees with that. That's the irony here. It's, yes. like January 6th has, has become like the George Floyd incident. And what I mean by that is no one said that the George Floyd incident was a good thing. Everyone condemned it, that uh, that that the police uh, officer uh at the very least, uh, was uh, using too much fo force. At yeah. the very, at the very worst, uh, worst he was he was in, engaged in murder. I mean, everyone uh, along that spectrum condemned it. January sixth, very similar. Uh, everyone from every ideology condemned it. Yet it became this thing uh, in the media, and even now, look, there's a piece. Uh, the public relations or public communications director of the Bulwark. Uh, has a, a tweet out saying, don't let the conservatives play down January 6th. How in goodness yes. name can anyone in their right mind say that anyone anywhere played well, it down? I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, because what it is, right, is again, it's a matter, it's an article of faith. You must, 
in America in 2022, uh, you must agree that January 6th was an insurrection, that the folks who were rioting within the Capitol were engaged in sedition, and, and, and that, they were, that they were attempting to overthrow the government, and that Donald Trump, Donald Trump was trying to strong arm his way into remaining president of the United States. And if you don't agree with all three of those things, then again, you must be drummed out of American society. And all three of those things are fantasy. Yes. It's fantasy to think that it was insurrection. It's fantasy to think that it was sedition. It's fantasy to think that Donald Trump was organized behind it. And and here's the evidence. The, again, the irony is, is that CNN proved that it wasn't insurrection and they did it by mistake. Um, when the emails were, were, were leaked, yes. the Mark Meadows emails, Mark Meadows was the chief of staff to Donald Trump uh, during, again, this horrible mob riot. Donald Trump should have acted earlier. Donald Trump should have spoke with authority and, and, and with firmness. He failed. He was wrong. In fact, time out, time out for a second. And before you get to that, and I think you and I believe on January 6th, you and I had this conversation. I was on the air as it was happening. Yeah. And I was on the air saying, uh, where is the president? I said yeah. on the air, Andrew, that if I were the president, I would have my motorcade drive to the to the capital. I would myself stand on top of the car with a bullhorn saying, stop it. Uh -huh. So my point is, is that I agree that Donald Trump acted too weak uh, and yes. too late. But that being said, going back to the CNN leak, you know, the leaking of the uh, the uh, emails to Mark Meadows. Uh, let me take one step back, take two steps forward. In yep. order for something to be sedition, insurrection, uh, there has to be uh, it has to be an, an organized effort. You have to have your allies in the military. You have to have your allies in the media. You have to have your allies in the intellectual circles. And there uh, has to be some legitimate way for you for some. I'm sorry, not right, right. Some way for you to actually assume power. Exactly right. Yes. And 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 what we saw in the leaked emails uh, were these frantic cries from conservative. Uh, pundits and, and hosts and TV personalities uh, telling Mark Meadows, where's the president? He yeah. needs to stop this. Now, again, if this was insurrection, if this was a, a sedition, if this was an act to overthrow the government, you would think that the, the leader of the organized effort, i.e. Donald yes. Trump, would have had his media, would have had his intellectual support, his military support. But none of that happened. Why? Because it was not sedition. Absolutely. It was not insurrection. And let me and let me add something. Let me now circle back to what you were talking about in terms of conservatives losing the policy battle, because this is all intertwined, right? During the Trump administration, you had good people who were in these agencies and doing good policy work. Not sure, not all great, but listen, by and large, good people there. And you had some for the first few years. You had good people, some good people advising Donald Trump. I mean, they were getting fired constantly. There was there was chaos at the White House in terms of senior advisors. Right. You want to know why things didn't go better? And, and Jerry, you and I were talking about this during the 2020 election, where the Republican, the RNC, and the Republican National Lawyers Association did nothing in 2020 to deal with the changing of the election rules, the illegal changing of election rules. Right. But during the campaign, and and after the loss. And the people who were advising Donald Trump and advising the White House, um, uh, it, uh, 
you know, with the with the Georgia Senate race, et cetera, et cetera, all of those things, they were feeding the president garbage. Yes. And that's why we're Look, losing. You and I talked about this at length, and that is the president complained about Election Day after Election Day when he had up to a year prior uh, to get into the states where these changes were made. There could have been an army of GOP attorneys and constitutional uh, uh, lawyers uh, to push back on the, and you said it, the illegal unconstitutional changes that gave Joe Biden or any Democrat the advantage come the election. He had that opportunity, but again, Donald Trump did some good things. His greatest, in my mind, his greatest um, flaw uh, was his lack of preparation, organization, uh, he was a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. And and some people thought the mile wide was good enough. Again, I, I told you this before. Uh, Donald Trump reminded me of Sarah Palin in the sense that his instincts were good, uh, but he never did his homework. Yeah. You know, imagine, see, Ronald Reagan really is the model. Ronald Reagan was someone who viscerally understood politics, viscerally understood uh, where the political debate was going. But then he did his homework. He read Russell Kirk. Right. He he understood the founders. He did uh, he did the homework uh, to become Ronald Reagan. Sarah Palin failed to do that. And unfortunately, and, so did Donald Trump. And he had and, and the other part of it is Reagan had thoughtful. I mean, right. Reagan, but I mean, Trump had good, thoughtful people. For I say Reagan, but there are other, look, I, 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 oh, look, uh, no, I agree with you. Think, think of it this way. I mean, you know, um, uh, I'll introduce this in, in this way. Uh, if I were to ask you, Andrew Langer, what was the leading cause of death worldwide in 2021? What would be your answer? Malaria. Okay. It was abortion. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, over 45 million abortions are worldwide. Now, Donald Trump, Donald Trump uh, was pro-abortion, pro-choice. He uh, he uh, he progressed to being pro-life. And yeah. I think he was sincerely pro-life. I mean, if you look at his policies, he, he might have been the most pro-life president uh, that we've had since Roe v. Wade. That being said, I think if I was doing an interview with, with Donald Trump and I asked him why he was pro-life, I don't think he could give an answer. No, and this is and that this, was his problem. And this is a and, and yes, and this is a conversation that you and I have had with other people, including someone who used to, who at one point was advising Donald Trump uh, about these things. I'm inclined to agree with you. Let me listen. Let me let me shift gears about another story that I don't think anybody's really talked about. And about want we're going to do this, and then I want to pivot to good things and, and save 2021 because I think we need to save 2021, Jerry. As we as we sort of revel in all of the all of the bad things, um, I want to talk about. We can't resurrect it. We can't. We can't. No. We can't be like Lazarus. Lazarus, come out of the tomb. <laughs> um, I want to. Uh, I want to. I want to talk about. I want to talk about Afghanistan because Afghanistan seems to have been lost in all of this narrative. Um, I, not that I want to revel in it, but I think revel. It's America's greatest military political humiliation on the world stage period but my point is is that afghanistan and and the biden administration's handling of the withdrawal from afghanistan tells us everything we need to know about what's going to happen with ukraine and it doesn't bode well no so and with china my ahead. goodness 
I mean, yes. look, look, look at this president, uh, President nah. Joe Biden, uh, with his gaffes over Taiwan. Uh, he he has, in a phrase, changed America's long long term policy uh, toward Ty- Taiwan three or four times. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, this that. is someone. Uh, and again, his his weakness with uh, Putin, which, again, the great irony there was because Donald Trump, of course, was supposed to be uh, Putin's puppy. It turns out Joe Biden uh, is is not just uh, not just telling weakness or showing weakness. Uh, he's actually weak. He's made America weaker uh, going from the uh, going from the, the pipeline, closing down pipelines in America, but allowing for uh, pipelines to run from Russia to Germany uh, and, 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 and with China. China is aggressively advancing and they're doing it with self-interest and we're doing nothing. Look, let me say one thing about this. Please. Absolutely. About, about foreign policy. And I think the uh, uh, the Paris Climate Accord perfectly demonstrates this. Uh, the 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 greatest world polluter is China. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just pollution. It's also the strip mining. It's also the slave labor used uh, to, to do the mining and all the rest of it. And the Paris Climate Accord uh, lets China off the hook. Absolutely does. And it does so publicly, officially. Uh, and 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 Donald Trump, part of the reason why Trump pulled out of that accord was to put China on notice. And what does this administration do? Uh, again, goes right back to it like a lapdog. And, and, and this is real life consequences here. Uh, and, 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 I, and, and, and I'm glad you brought it up. Well, no, no, no. And, and let's remember, right, because we spend a lot of time talking about China's soft foreign policy. And a couple of weeks ago, you and I, I think you and I did this in a Facebook Live. I know I did in one of my own you know, solo shows. Um, talking about China and trade and China and infrastructure around the world, right? So we know that China is building highways and building ports and building airports uh, because they they want to be able to control world shipping and the transportation of goods and services that they're manufacturing. What America is doing, by the way, in, in response to that uh, is, uh, is giving free broadband to failed rec centers in Baltimore to get, to get squeegee guys off the streets. Yeah. All right. But my my point is this. It's not just that China is doing this so that they can strong arm, maybe in the long term, and part of it is in the long term, so that they can take possession of these facilities. But by engaging in this soft foreign policy and by doing this. It's it's, it's soft warfare is what it is. Well, no, it is. But, but Jerry, my point is, is that it also helps them build allies around the world on the world stage for these international agreements sean kennedy yeah sean kennedy was the uh was the president of uh the claremont institute he is a he is an expert on on foreign policy oh yeah he did a piece years ago i want to say four or five years ago wall street journal piece uh and it was a uh it was like a um alternative history an alternative future history it was a fascinating piece. Long story short, this is this is the piece. I want you to comment on it. Uh, the piece was that Iran uh, 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 has a barge, uh, uh, what looks like to be a uh, uh, a private sector, private company barge, uh, you know, miles miles off of U.S. the U.S. coast, uh, and it fires uh, a weapon into the atmosphere. Sure. And causes one of those electronic. Yeah, an EMP. 
EMP, yeah. which puts out power in the United States. Yeah. And the Chinese come in. America, America calls for help to its allies, to the to the British, to the French, uh, to to our allies around the world. And China comes in and says, nope, don't help them. If yeah. you help them, we will disrupt your economics here, your trade there, not even threatening them with invasion or war, but threatening our allies uh, with economics and financial issues to keep our allies. And, and what that would do, would, it would it would it would devastate America in terms of, of we would eventually get back on our feet, but we would be so long living as an 1860 society that when we when we returned, we would be a we would be a, a, a two bit player. Well, it, it, it's, it's interesting because then we can spend a little bit of time talking about the uselessness of some of our libertarian friends. But all you have to, <laughs> what the scenario that you're talking about here is is not dissimilar from some of the scenarios envisioned by the original movie Red Dawn. And if you will recall, when they remade Red Dawn, the Chinese were the enemy. And the yes. Chinese government, who had so heavily invested in Hollywood, put so much pressure right. on the makers of Red Dawn that they were forced to painstakingly change yes. the enemy and all the markings, et cetera, to North Koreans, as though North Korea could conceivably invade the United States. And again, it's a, it's a small thing, right? But but it is it is it is it has enormous uh, enormous pressure. My my point is this: is that China builds these alliances, and they're doing it for all kinds of reasons, and they are looking well down the road at, at a world in which they right because we were so gelded in our withdrawal from Afghanistan, and America is perceived as weak. And every time Joe Biden goes on TV, he's seen as weak that now the two competing dominant powers on the world stage are China versus Russia, which incidentally, right, for many, many years had a rivalry, even while both nations were supposedly communist, Mao, China, and Stalinist, Khrushchevist, or whatever, Russia, they were still rivals in many, many ways. Look, the, the, the challenge is this, and again, I, we keep on, we should do a podcast called, uh, we talked about this before, um, but we've talked about this before, and that is, um, I don't take any. Andrew and Jerry save redundancy. Go ahead. Um, look, I believe that the, looking at the polling, looking at the data, uh, it is very likely that Republicans take over the House in 2022. Uh, and depending upon how things go forward, I think they take over the White House in 2024. I don't think it makes a difference. And let me tell you, let me explain why. I know uh, because you're well, because the inertia, right? The inertia yeah. is uh, the progressives have controlled the policy inertia, inertia. Number one, number two, and this is what we've talked about. Uh, there isn't a robust uh, intellectual debate in this country any longer. It used to be that the center right, the center left, would argue on the edges, yes. but they would agree about uh, certain policies about uh, about America's greatness, uh, and what has happened. And it has happened uh, uh, so rapidly, really, since the Obama years. America, uh, half of America—I say that—that's that's a euphemism. Uh, yeah. But the but the intellectuals, the intellectuals, uh, the the academic, academic academia, the uh, the the unions, the corporate America, the Hollywood, uh, and, and 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 the Democratic Party, no longer believe in American American greatness. Yes. And and that we've already lost the China. Look. 
yes, we, we are still competitive with the Chinese. Our economy is still uh, better than it, but it's, it, it's only a matter of time now. And, and, the, and the answer though, if we, if we rediscover America's greatness, we can compete and win against any nation. But but not 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 the way we are. I mean, I think about, you know, uh, think about Lincoln's house divided against itself can't stand. We truly are house divided. But let me. OK, good. This is a good segue, because I think I want to let's let's get into our bottom line segment here. I think we're going to we're going to skip the ask the expert segment, Jerry. Well, we're, we just had we just had a, yes. a, a, a ask the ex- experts, yeah, expert uh, Jerry, advice. Jerry, Andrew and Jerry. Yes. So I want I want to move ahead to the bottom line. Hold on, let me let me insert it here. Welcome to our bottom line segment, and I want to talk about the saving grace and all this. It's funny. It's funny you talk about this, Jerry, because there were bright points in 2021, and one of this is the backlash. Now, the left controls. Uh, again, I'm making motions with my hands. The left controls uh, the discourse and academia, the media discourse and academia. But the left has uh, has a tendency to eat itself, and the left has a tendency to overplay its hand. So, for instance, there was a really great piece. I'm sorry, not a great piece, but an interesting piece in Vox. It was telling, it was educational, about how things during the Obama administration have now become cringe. Oh, the... uh... Um, the uh, oh the uh, the piece on on Parks and Rec yes Parks and Rec and Hamilton and yes. some other things and Hillary Clinton I mean you know some of these things have have, have now become cringe and, and so you you see as they begin to eat themselves the thing that happened over the weekend now it's it's interesting because I think his apology is going to fail Patton Oswalt who I I adore as a comedian again I disagree with him well, he he appeared with uh, Chappelle. He appears with Dave Chappelle. He gets roundly criticized, like savaged. How dare he? And then he tries to apologize. And then someone brings up a, a animal clip, Jerry, which is absolutely brilliant, in which Pat Oswalt talks about clowns as being transvestites who've just gone much, much further. It's <laughs> brilliant, brilliantly funny. And so he has to sort of go through and, and apologize again. And we're seeing this over and over. Our good friend Sasha Stone writes about this. My point is this got manifested in what happened with school boards around the country and what certainly happened in the Virginia election. And that gives me great hope that that things can shift. Again, we talk about things on the margins. Go ahead. See, what, what would have given me great hope would have been if Oswald had simply said, uh, you know, hundred percent. If he just said he's my friend, go f yourself. Yes, that would. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Go ahead. See, I, so so this idea of the left eating the left, where I'm you, saying. Uh, by the way, I'm not saying that Oswald's appearance with Chappelle or his apology. No, I know that. You know, but, but what I'm saying I, is, I, I is it, evidence but, but, but of the my, left. My point is this: yeah. is that you still have, you know, the reasonable left. You still have the reasonable liberal. And and so what's happening is is that uh, the 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 left is eating the the center left, and at the end of the day, what's going to be left is just the progressive hard left, the AOCs. The future of America is future senator is future senator from well, New York. Just, look, I'll go further than that. Uh, she is the future of America. Period. 
Yeah. America is America is fastly becoming uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. This is why uh, four years ago when she came on the scene or three years ago when she came on the scene, I said, don't laugh her off. Uh, don't 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 mock her. Take her seriously, because this is where the argument. This is where the culture is going. Here, here's what gives yeah. me hope. What gives me hope is this. I agree with you about uh, what happened in Virginia. But again, it's it's an, it was an off year election. Um I, I think that, uh, uh, again, if you look at the numbers, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the governor, the, the Republican governor there uh, wanted a squeaker. Yes, it wasn't. It wasn't. A, it wasn't like this, this, this overwhelming. But time uh, out for a second, Jerry. He wanted a squeaker, but in a in a state which was D plus 11. I understand that. But then it, but but you and I have, have had this conversation, too, where yeah. where the polling and. And and all the polling and how they measure these uh, these races now, it's all it's all colored by politics and by agenda. Um, Virginia was never a D plus eleven state. That was ridiculous. I, no, no, no. I'm gonna listen, Jerry. I'm gonna disagree with you there. I think the the shape of Virginia has changed. I think now you're right. Maybe it's not D plus eleven, but I'm certainly gonna say that it's D. It's, it's, it's a it's a purple it's a purple state. But a purple state. That but it's, it's always been. He's the bottom. It's always been a purple state. Well, no, I mean, no, I, I think that that's that's really in the last twenty years. I think as you've had folks flee Maryland and move to Virginia. Doug, Doug Wilder, the first African American governor in America, was from Virginia. Yes, and he was but, a but, progressive. But Doug Wilder. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to say he was a progressive before progressivism. But he was well, but that's just it, right? Was he a, was he a progressive or was he or was it mean, certainly listen, Doug Wilder even thinks that the Democratic Party has gotten away from him. Right? Doug Wilder was, it has. It has because even even yes. because progressivism has moved progressively uh, ha- has progressively yes. advanced backwards <laughs> to, well, toward, that's, uh, but toward that's, radicalism. That's exactly it. I mean, you know, but Doug Wilder was, yes, he was, a. but in, in a, again, keeping in mind, right, where you have the concentrations of Democrats. Was that his name, by the way, Doug Wilder? Was it Wilder? Was, was it Wilder? Wait, what? Was his name Wilder? Yeah, Doug Wilder. Doug Wilder, okay, very good. Yes, I, Doug I'm, Wilder. I'm thinking of a, uh, like a, was that a movie? <laughs> no, no, no. Yes. Oh, Van Wilder. Yes. yes. About Van Wilder. Yes. <laughs> little round, right? I'll say here. here well, you look, I, I get your point. It's a good point where, where, um, I'll say this to, 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 um, to, to, to show my agreement with you. I'll say this. And that is, <laughs> I think progressives control everything, literally everything, even the military. Now they control the military. They control academia, they control Hollywood, they control the news media, they control the establishment political class, they, they control the corporate uh, boardroom. Uh, what they don't control yet uh, is the church. Now, you're right, there are churches that have imploded and have become, uh, have become not the church any longer, uh, but, but, you know, but baptized social clubs or whatever you want to call them. Um, but essentially, uh, the, 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 the church, uh, the small business community, and lastly, the American people. Yeah. See, uh, the American people, even with all of the propaganda, with all of the progressive power centers, the American people can still come out and give a Republican the victory in in Virginia. And this is this is what I'm getting at here. And this is interesting because you're you're seeing these reports coming out about oh my God, how dare conservatives 
how dare Republicans politicize school board elections? <laughs> and it's like, well, again, which is what the left has done uh, for the last 40 years, which is why they control the school boards. Exactly. But my, my point is don't do what we've done. Yes. How dare you? How dare you do what we've done and you beat us at it? But the reason why they're writing these stories is because you are finally starting to see conservatives and Republicans take these school board elections seriously. Yeah, and but it won't last, though. Well, okay. Now, time out for a second. That's a that, that's a whole that's a whole different question. <laughs> I mean, listen, the question we is have no stickiness. Well, the question of sustainability of movements is something you and I have also spent a lot of time talking about, right? And, and, and as we've been using that's maybe maybe that's where if you could if you can stand it, maybe we need to bring in my uh, friend and mentor uh, Ron Rappaport, who's written the book about third party movements, right? Because if you think about it. I mean, not that I never thought that the Tea Party movement was a third party movement. Um, but you look at the Reform Party, for instance, and how the Reform Party sort of lasted two election cycles and then died. Uh, the Tea Party movement lasted, I've done presidential election cycles. The Tea Party movement uh, began in, in 2009, was around essentially until 2015, and then died. Um, and so the question is what comes behind it? And listen, we can get into the issue, right, of the other part of it, which is how the charlatans among us, um, like the, the folks who made a boatload of money pushing the January 6th day event and are, and are you know, and are now in hiding, um, how, uh, how that figures into this. But that would, that's, that's, a little, that's a little bit too pessimistic for me. Yeah. Well, look, I, I'm still a despairing optimist. I'll say this because it's, it's our on show. Friday, yeah. It's our show, and I, I'll, yeah. I, you know, I'll say it. I really think that um, our hope, and I've said this before, um, we're not going to find our hope in any one political party or political figure or, or in any political movement. Um, I think our hope uh, uh, really uh, comes uh, uh, to look towards our faith. Yes. And, uh, and I think, I think and I'll say this, um, the answer to all our problems lies uh, in, uh, in, in, in the Christian faith. And I, again, not to, not to, uh, uh, not to um, uh, uh, uninclude or disclude or whatever the word is for it, our friends of other faiths or no faiths. Exclude, uh, is but exclude. Thank you. Oh my goodness, I'm had a, had a senior moment. Exclude. Okay. Uh, uh, dissuade. Uh, exclude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do think this year. I, I, I'll tell you something. Yeah, because this is what I want to get to. So, so, uh, and and, and I, I've been doing some serious uh, uh, thinking about this, and that is. Uh, and and this came across right around right around Christmas time. I read something, and it and has stuck in my mind ever since I read it. And that is, anything, anything uh, that uh, you find your worth in that that I that you your identity, your worth, your acceptability, your uh, you know your currency, uh, and and for me, outside of Christ, anything outside of Christ, where you find your identity, your self worth, your value. Uh, becomes an idol, and it struck me because I really do put a lot of my yeah. my identification, my worth in in, in politics and policy, uh, and wanting to make a difference in ideas. And I wonder sometimes if it, if it if it all just hasn't become an idol for me. Interesting. And, and I and I but but and there's a point to this. And I apologize. I'm getting esoteric no, no here. Take your time. Uh, but but my point is this. I think that's where our hope is. I think. That's where my hope is, and that is is knowing that 
all of this nonsense that happens in politics is so important. We have to, we have to, I mean, look, we know that what happens in DC or the state capital or the city council impacts our lives. But even more important than that are the people right in front of you, right? Your your friends, your family, uh, your your the little platoons. And I think our hope lies in the like what C.S. Lewis called the little platoons. And this this gets into Jerry, one of the reasons why I thought that 2020 was a better year than 2021. Because setting aside everything else, right, um, this idea that we were, and we were forced to take a pause. We were forced to spend time with those around us. <laughs> and that wasn't a bad, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. That was the best part of, of I, you know, I, you know I, I, I liked being yes. uh, 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 sequestered with my family. That's my, that's my point. It, <laughs> we had to take a pause. And so if there's anything we need to take, right, because there are folks who are joking about how maybe we should write 2022 as 2020 comma T-O-O, right, because you can yeah, do it. Yeah. Then if there's anything that we're going to take from 2020 and bring it into 2022, it is that taking moments to be with family. I'll tell you something. Uh, nothing has buoyed me more or buoyed me more over the holidays than watching. I can't do them. I, I can't get into it. It's not my thing. I can't do uh, jigsaw puzzles. Yeah. I mean, I suppose I could do them. Erica loves them. Yeah, I see, I, that, and and, and my so wife me not so much. and my girls love them. Yes. Um, um, and, and watching my family do a jigsaw puzzle was great. We had a we had a moment. I don't know. Maybe it was it was three or four months ago where um, uh, you know Jan and, and and Abby and I sat down. We played Scrabble and had the best time. Just the yeah. Three, yeah. You know what we did New Year's Eve? What'd you do New Year's we Eve? We played that band game where you put the band on your head and you put the oh. card. Oh yeah, and you oh, figure so out who, who everybody is. Yes. Headbands. We actually, we yes. actually, uh, we actually decided to headbands. make our own cards, which was even, yes. even more fun. Well, it's 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 to me made famous by that great scene in Inglorious Bastards, which tell me you've seen it. No, tell me. I've seen the oh, movie, no, no, but I don't recall the scene. No, it's a scene when they're down in the pub in Inglorious Bastards, and they're all. Oh yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. And, yes, uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes, it's yes. it's it's fantastic. I've, you know, that's that that's. Uh, that's <laughs> Jerry, what did I do that? Did you have a nice uh, a nice uh, New Year's Eve? What did you guys want to do? Well, we had a great New Year's Eve. Uh, we were home. Uh, uh, Bridget and Claire home from school, and Jack, uh, Bridget's uh, boyfriend, was here, and of course, uh, Grace and Liam and and Maddie, uh, Madeline, Ma uh, Eric, and I. Uh, and what Eric, we got dressed, we, we got dressed. Nice. Um, and Erica put out a, a, a spread of delicious uh, 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 plates. Uh, we had small plates, uh, you know, and we never sit down yes, we had small us. plates. Yeah, I get it. And uh, appetizers, tapas, that sort of thing. Uh, and then what we did was we played some games. We, we, uh, we uh, earlier in the evening, I'm going to tell you my whole evening, uh, around yeah. 6, 630 uh, p.m., we watched the movie, all of us together, about time. Have you All seen right. this movie? No, I have not. It's a wonderful movie. It's a wonderful movie. You should go and see it today. Uh, it's a great New Year's Eve movie. Uh, it's about uh, it's about this. Uh, about time. This, it's it well, uh, the 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 it's about time travel. Okay. And it's very interesting. Um, uh, it's a it's a beautiful movie. It's a beautiful movie. That time being said, is the fire in which we all burn, Jerry. So, so it's a, a, about time. Uh, and but then after that, we decided to play this game, and we had a blast playing this game. Uh, and then we decided to uh, to because we love music. And so we decided to play the songs that either described for us what was the best part of 2021 oh, or, the worst, part, or okay. the worst part. And then after that, 
we did a uh, best live concert scenes we've ever uh, that we've ever seen or 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 that that are out there. Uh, and then we did the ball, and then we, and then so we, you stayed up for the ball drop. Oh yeah, then we did pots and pans. Oh my goodness, Bronx, yeah, no, I did. We did pots and pans. That. We uh, we were supposed to have a really fancy dinner at the Williamsburg Inn with some family friends of ours, and one of their adult kids, or two of their adult kids, got sick, and there was a COVID risk, and we're like, okay, we're we're gonna hold off on that, and we made a last minute, you know, you know, game day decision. Uh, game time decision to go and play top golf. Oh, great! Which with with uh, Maddie, and and had the best time. We went down there. We got down there early, um, got a thing. And and it's funny because neither Madeline nor Janice has ever swung a golf club before. <laughs> so that was that was fun to watch and 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 had the best time. And then we went. We found a Chinese restaurant which could have been straight out of Chinatown in New York. That's awesome. And and that was good. And got home, and and it was a, it was it was really it was really wound up being low key, which which is which is fine. So. Well, I think New Year's Eve is always should be low key in the sense that you should spend it with the people. My mom always said that uh, who you surround yourself with on New Year's Eve, uh, these are the people who you will be with all year. Well, there you go. Well, I was uh, you know that I would uh, New Year's nineteen uh, two thousand five. I was with uh, with Mayor Giuliani. <laughs> and so, so there so there you go that 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 says it all um so jerry yes i you know what are you what are you up to anything you need to, you want to promote this week uh, uh for the podcast well, you know I, I i have my show my sunday show on wbal that's that's this week and um uh and i'm doing my writing editing over at real clear Good. Uh, real clear health and uh some other a lot of writing projects and and so when my you pieces appear uh, I will let you know. Yeah, and you know something. We'll make sure they're up at the Andrew at the uh, uh, Andrew and Jerry Save the World page yeah. on Facebook. Uh, we'll make sure we, we we tweet them out. I'm I'm doing uh, writing as well. Uh, not on the air this week. I want to thank the folks at uh, WCBM again for for having me on uh, uh, last week. Certainly. Great shows, by the way. Fun, thank great you, shows. Thank you, that thank Liam, you very that much. Liam, that Liam from Kingsbridge. That's a good caller right there. Uh, you know, and it's it was fun. Uh, uh, always fun talking to Liam. I love when he calls in. <laughs> Um, but in any case, guys, you can check us out. As always, I'm going to say it again. Please tell your friends, your family members, your friends of family members, your friendly family members, your unfriendly family. Your <laughs> hey, just tell them. them. Just tell, tell them we're them. better than Joe Rogan. You yeah, go, go and check <laughs> us out. Uh, go and tell them to go check us out wherever they want to get their podcasts. Uh, but also follow us on Twitter uh, at uh, AJ Save the World on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com. Uh, slash AJ Save the World uh, and subscribe, leave reviews. Most importantly, uh, that is of, of vital importance. Uh, and as I always say, guys, uh, uh, Jerry, you have any any final final words before we go? No, th this is great fun. You know how how you know my thing. I know what your thing always. Is. My thing is this, and that is, you know, uh, uh, you know, find the truth, plant your feet, and stand firm. And I, as I always say, have fun and stay safe.